0: and load this is steve dace the
1: steve day show and greetings happy thursday welcome to the steve day show live and on demand but not really all that much in demand around here at blaze tv radio and podcast luckily they keep us around here and the check's clear nonetheless. Thank you. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And the number here to the blaze is 888-900-3393. Todd Erz and Aaron McIntyre here with me. As well, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we're going to start Theology Thursday a little bit earlier this week. And an old friend of mine is putting a movie together. He is concerned about infiltration of pagan and leftist theology and ideology, infiltrating the church here in America. And he's working on a documentary uh, along those lines. And he's going to tell us about it. That's coming up here at the bottom of the hour. And then we're going to discuss our own thoughts on that conversation After that, then we'll have three non-political questions, but before we get to all of those zany hijinks, before they are permitted to ensue, first, Aaron must let us know about what happened while we were away.
2: What happened while we were away, brought to you by The Chosen One.
0: I am The Chosen One. Somebody had to do it, so I'm taking on China. I'm taking on China on trade, and you know what?
2: We're winning. Trump also compared MAGA superfan Wayne Allen Root to being the, quote, king of Israel yesterday. So that's very cool. He also said this about Jews recently.
0: And I think any Jewish people that vote for a Democrat, uh, I think it shows either a total lack of knowledge or great disloyalty.
2: And he also canceled a visit to Denmark because they supposedly are not interested in selling Greenland. So all good here. We're all good. How are you? The uber-Marxist YouTube show The Young Turks recently took on war veteran and current congressman Dan Crenshaw.
1: I can't do this. I can't do this. This guy has the understanding of foreign policy of like a 12-year-old. What the f- is wrong with this dude? Didn't he go to war and like literally lose his eye because some Mujahideen, a brave f- soldier f- his eye hole with their d-? Isn't that how he lost his f- dumbass eye? Cause he got his f- eye hole f- By a brave soldier? America deserved 9-11 dude. I'm saying it. On
2: the campaign trail, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio was supposed to speak to a group of Iowans when his flight was canceled. Thanks to the miracle of technology, he was still able to speak, kind of. Hey,
0: thank you, everybody. I'm so happy with you. And I, I apologize. I couldn't be there in person. I had a canceled flight and could not get to you by my time slot. But I want to just say... Before I get into anything about why I'm
2: running for president and what we have to do in this country, I want to thank you. Joe Biden's wife, Jill, recently spoke to a group of people about her husband.
3: I know that not all of you are committed to my husband, um, and I respect that. Your candidate
2: might be better on, I don't know, health care than Joe is. But you've got to look at who's going to win this election. And maybe you have to swallow a little bit and say, OK, I sort of personally like so-and-so better. But your bottom
1: line has to be that we have to beat Trump.
2: You're going to have to swallow. Learning Spanish today, today's phrase is, I was homeschooled, so I don't know what that means.
4: Fui educado en casa, así que no sé lo que eso significa.
2: Actress Alyssa Milano bragged on a recent podcast about two abortions she had in 1993. She said, quote, 15 years after that first love had fizzled out, my life would be completely lacking all its great joys. I would never had been free to be myself. And that's what this fight is all about, freedom. The board of the Wichita Public Library is reportedly divided upon whether or not sex offenders should be allowed to present Drag Queen Story Hour at local Wichita libraries. No, really. And finally, leftist utopianism in video form. And that's what happened while we were away.
1: Aaron's montage today brought to you by our friends at home title lock. They want to warn you that the Amazon Capital One data breach just hit putting 106 million of us at risk. Our names, our home addresses, banking information is now exposed. Forget about credit card theft, your real concern, far greater concern ought to be home title fraud. It's becoming rampant because identity thieves have figured out that titles and mortgages to our homes are kept online and databases that they can hack and more and more people are buying identity theft protections and and those sorts of things nowadays. It's not as easy to pilfer your PayPal account or your credit card as it was even a few years ago. So now their big payday comes by forging your name off of your home's title and, uh, that, and putting their name on it so that it appears they now own your home. They take out loans against your equity until it's gone with your home as collateral, sticking you with the payments, maybe even the foreclosure notices and your insurance bank and identity theft protection can't touch this, but for pennies a day, home title lock will, and they want you to know that the first 60 days after a data breach like this are key because inevitably this breach ends up getting closed back up. All right. Uh, and so that's why scammers try to strike while the iron is hot. Once they get this uh, information, they try to strike immediately, which is why home title lock is offering you right now, 60 risk-free days of protection for what, for most Americans will be their most valuable investment, their own home, which you can get only at home title lock.com 60 risk-free days of protection available for you, you and your home right now at HomeTitleLock.com. Let's start at the bottom of the montage today, if we could. Um, you said the library board that was split, not even over whether to have yep. drag yep. queen story time yep. hour, yep. but whether sex yep. offenders, those on the registry, yep. should be allowed to present during this time, correct? Uh, those That was what you said, right? Okay. You said this was in Wichita, Kansas? Yeah. Wichita, Kansas. The Heartland baby. W- w- Wichita, Kansas has just skipped past are we going to do drag queen story hour? And and because you seem a little flat today, Aaron, I got I'm gonna goad you a little bit, which your boy David French seemingly has no issue with, mm. is my understanding. Uh, he seems to be pro drag queen storytime hour. Um, and thinks much way too much is being made about this. And Al Moeller over at the Southern Baptist Convention came back at him hard. I used on that can't... yesterday. No, yeah, I'm not making that up. I, I'm, I'm I have
2: completely stopped following him, muted him everything. So I'm completely I was completely blissfully unaware of this, Steve. Uh, so, so thank I, you. Are you, on, we, are
1: we you need, but we need you on tilt. We must have you on tilt. Are you, are you on tilt right now? I'm getting there. Okay. Then that's the only reason I mentioned.
4: It. He actually, okay. He rationalized.
1: Yeah, that maybe much, is, much too much is being made of this. Wow. Okay. And Albert Moeller dropped the Lee Corso not so fast, my friend. Okay. Yeah. So the Wichita, Wichita. Has skipped right past, hey, should we do a drag queen story hour? To what do you think about having sex offenders present in drag to the kids? Eh. I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, let's let's discuss that. You know, don't, we don't want to be haters and bigots here. Don't judge, Steve. Don't yeah. judge. Wichita. It, Wichita.
4: I
2: I
1: I said Wichita.
4: Was
1: it
2: Jimmy Webb? Wrote the Wichita drag queen is still on the library. No, that's
1: not how
4: that song goes.
1: No. Let me repeat one more time: Wichita, Wichita.
4: Our list of allies grows thin, Aragorn. This is uh, plant this story deep inside your skull because this is. Did I mention Wichita? This is what I'm always talking about. When you listen to the crazy voices inside your head, you try to say reasonable people, common sense will prevail.
1: Wichita. 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 Maybe we're wrong and there really isn't a cold civil war happening in America. We're just no. the last of a dying breed here. If 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 we're if Wichita has skipped the step of drag queen story hour, yay or nay, to and let's have the sex offenders and kids get access to the kids here on the public grounds, then uh, the, the 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 guns are silent here uh, in the Death Star trench, and we missed the, turb- the the thermal exhaust port. And Yavin Four is no more here, Todd. If, if pe- that's where we're at going
4: forward, if people on the show, readers, whatever, want to try to convince us that we're overreacting, on the,
1: we got, I'm go just f- going to drop Wichita. Well, we
4: got to go full yeah, full Peyton Manning instead of Omaha, Omaha. Yep. We're going to <laughs> Wichita, Wichita.
1: Perfect, perfect. The story of of, of uh, what happened with Alyssa Milano, her story. You know, we had the opposite side of this story with Victoria Robinson from Save the Storks the other day, where her experience, her personal experience, getting abortion, crushed her, and drove her to to seeking redemption for the shame and guilt that she felt, and and ultimately has turned her into. A pro-life activist. That was the powerful testimony we heard from Victoria Robinson at Save the Storks here the other day, right? What you what you're seeing from Alyssa Milano now is the opposite reaction, and and I, I promise you, her story is not unique. In fact, I would wager the vast majority of professional celebrity women who are the most adamant about the leaving open the ability to kill children have have done it themselves. When 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 we are when we commit such a grave sin, there's always this is it's always one of these two reactions. And in fact, we may start with the Alyssa Milano reaction before we get to the Victoria Robinson one. But you're always going to see one of the two. Sometimes you may have both of them. But the rationalizations the justifications does she strike you based on her public persona she says i this would have wrecked my life or something to those effects right that is that, that, that that's is what correct. she said if yeah. she had had those children 25 years ago I, I did the math she was 20
4: years old when yeah. she had two abortions
1: yeah um based on your her public persona behavior does, does she strike you as a contented individual? Oh, no! does she strike you as I, someone who' feels who gets up in the morning and and most days despite her wealth and acclaim, and I'll say it, we're dudes still hotness. she's beautiful, okay, um despite having a lot access to lots of things, most people, particularly women I mean make all kinds of efforts and compromises in life to obtain. She's had them all since she's been about 13 years old or whatever she yeah. was when she debuted on Who's the Boss? I mean, she's, in, she's ensconced in pop culture um, uh, eternity having a ship named after her uh, in, the, in, the, in the MCU just to demonstrate how powerful of a pop culture figure she was at such a young age, right? Despite all of those things, when you when you read her Twitter feed, when you watch her being interviewed, when you hear her speaking, does she strike you as someone who has contentment, who has peace in their lives?
4: She strikes me as Gollum. Yeah. Very restless. The yes. The precious. The and, precious.
1: And the more and more you reject the light and grace and redemption, and the more and more you fall into that level of idolatry. That's what Gollum is. Gollum was created by, um, was created by Tolkien to be a construct of idolatry. Okay. And his, his love of the precious is the love of, we, the love we have for our idols. When, when, but Gollum didn't start out that way, right? He started out as Schmeagel. Correct. Right? Just a, a, another, another hobbit who loved the ring. But the more and more that he loved that ring, and what he was willing in order to hold on and clutch to that ring the more and more deformed he became the uglier and uglier he got right um from the inside out not the outside in and ask yourself this question when you are if you're a woman watching us there's there's i know there's got to be at least one woman watching us that faced the same choice my own mom faced at a young age and then you know she thankfully chose to to give life. But maybe you didn't make that choice. And maybe that's the reason you've held on to your squeamishness on this issue. Maybe that's the reason you have stayed away from church. That's exactly why you need to go. God did not make you to hold on to that shame and guilt. First of all, he made you to never have it. Unfortunately, we're all sinners, which is where the guilt and the shame comes from And then he wasn't content just for you to remain in that state. That's why he sent his son That's the message of the church Your son his son came to take that upon himself And all you have to do To be relieved of that burden is to ask him to take it from you And that's where true peace and contentment comes from Alyssa Milano has a lot of fame, a lot of beauty, a lot of acclaim, probably still a lot of wealth, I would imagine. I don't, I don't see a lot of peace and contentment there. I don't. She doesn't have the things in life that really matter the most. And if it's, if it's, if it's a benign procedure, and if it doesn't matter, and it's just like getting your tonsils removed... Who talks about getting their tonsils out 25 years later? Who talks about, you know, my tonsils are really bothering me and I've just never felt freer than I did once I had my tonsils removed. You ever heard anybody talk like that? No.
2: no. She she also said that uh, it was a very hard decision.
1: Uh, why? Yeah. Twice. Why, why, why a would, hard decision twice. Why, why, would, why is it hard? Why is it hard? I mean, when you're thirsty, is it a hard decision to drink? When you're hungry, is it a is it a hard decision to eat? When your bladder or your bowels are full, is it a hard decision to relieve them? These aren't hard decisions, right?
4: Those are natural things. Those
1: those are natural things. You know where hard decisions come into play? Murder. That would be a hard decision. When you instinctively know this isn't a natural thing that I'm about to do. This is the undoing of a natural thing that I'm actually about to do. I'm, and 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 the reason why this particular sin has become its own political ideology, and and now we've had you know others with, involving sexuality that have come after it, but this was the original one. This was the original sin to become its its own political ideology. Some of you will argue the welfare state. I, I think I think the idea of government doing for people what it can't do for themselves has descended into that. Okay. I mean, I think if you went back and talked to Lyndon Johnson at his great society speech in 1964 and said, hey, do you think we ought to just have a government where anytime someone has something you want, you can get government to take it from them if you've got the majority? He would say no. In his mind, he was probably, and most people like him in 1965, probably just thought we've got too much wealth in this country to have poverty, to have hungry kids. We need to do something about this. Now, has it clearly descended into the sin of covetousness now has its own political ideology as well. Oh, you betcha it does. And it clearly has, right? But from the outset, from its genesis, this is the first sin in America that, since slavery, really, which is ironic because both of them produced a Holocaust. This is the first sin in America since slavery that, that was launched as giving a political ideology to a sin. and what makes this one so personally devastating to the wielder is is you're doing the inverse of what Christ did for you you are you are using as a sacrificial shall i say lamb the sins either you committed you had consensual sex. You didn't take precautions. You chose to make those, commit those actions and were given the end result. Or the sins that were committed against you. You're a victim of rape or incest. Say so I have all those stories in my family. All of them. Yeah, even the dirty eye word. I've got them all in my family tree. And so what, what you're doing is, is you are imputing your own sinfulness or the sins committed against you. And you are making this innocent child the scapegoat for it. You're casting your sins and the sins others have committed at your expense upon this child and punishing this child for sins they never committed, things they had nothing to do with. This is the inverse of what Christ did for you, where Jesus takes the sins you have committed that you deserve death and torment and judgment for. And the sins other people have committed against you that they deserve death, torment, and judgment for. And he takes all of that upon himself. There's few things you can do more, or there's that that I think estranges you from God more than murdering the innocent. So in the old testament, God says he one of the things he hates, hands that shed innocent blood. The first moral commandment in the second table of the, of, of the Ten Commandments is what? Don't murder. We see those who promote abortion love to quote, am I my brother's keeper when they start talking about the welfare state? You know who said those words? The world's first murderer said those words very sarcastically to God after he had murdered his brother. When am I my brother's keeper here? Is that my responsibility? Yeah. These are all perversions and distortions of the truth. And so when we sign up for these, we become golems. We we pervert ourselves, we distort ourselves. That's not that's not the reason God made you. Alyssa, Jesus didn't die so that 25 years later, you still feel the need to justify a minor decision. Well, why would you need to justify a minor decision? Why would you struggle with something that's not that big of a deal? Maybe because it is. And you're tacitly admitting that that's the same for any other Alyssa Milanos that are out there. And if, you're, if you belong to a church that doesn't address this, that doesn't bring freedom, what real freedom looks like to the women in, the, in your church that have gone through this and just is like, well, we don't want to offend anybody, so we never bring it up. We just, so you just let those women just sit there and stew with that guilt and shame year after year after year. Shame on you, pastor. the number one driving force of this on the other side is the same driving force. It's just taken on a new face with the rainbow jihad. Somebody tell me my sin was okay and that I don't have to change and that nothing's wrong with me. Justify me in my current state. Assuage my own conscience for me. Affirm me just as I am. Well, what if just as you are sucks? God didn't make you to suck. Embrace the suck, not in the Bible. Everlasting life in the Bible. Embrace the suck, not in the Bible. Everlasting life in the Bible. Life and life abundantly in the Bible. Today you'll be with me in paradise forever in the Bible. Embrace the suck, not in the Bible. So... Two worldviews are going to enter this steel cage, America. One of them will leave. You can choose the one that says embrace the suck or choose the one that says life and life abundantly. Your call. But you are being called to choose. In this moment in which we live, I think there's little doubt about that. Can I say one thing? Of course. As an
4: antidote to what we talked about yesterday, how do we go forward doing this show? like you just did today. That's how we do this show.
2: Yeah. And uh, I think Todd and I's minds meld sometimes because I was thinking the exact same thing. There there always has to be an alternative. We can't just rage against the darkness all the time. And that's the alternative that was, that was so eloquently put forth there in the last few minutes. And I think that's something that we all need to remember is as dark as it is, as dark as the culture is, as frustrating as it is to see people we elect, see people we thought we trusted, just completely embrace human nature and total depravity uh, for being what it is, uh, we do have the alternative, and we always have to remember to put that out there we 're not allowed we 're not allowed to um, to be practicing nihilists in this arena. And I mean, Alyssa Milano, I mean, what, uh, what, what she did there was give us an opportunity to, to show that alternative. And anytime these types of things come up, I, I hope that we will continue to do that.
1: I appreciate that. Um, we're gonna talk about some of the comments Trump's made the last couple of days as part of the Theology Thursday discussion we'll have later in the program, okay? So we're gonna table that for now. Can I just bring up, though? uh, Terrible segue, but can I bring up a purely political point out of Aaron's montage, nonetheless? Uh, I'm not saying this is an endorsement, you know, and I'm not... He wouldn't be the first guy who nails the soundbite and then just goes and votes the way the machine and the swamp wants him to, all right? So this isn't a moral calculation. I'm not making an endorsement. Frankly, I have not even looked enough at his voting record so far in Congress to make an opinion, I'm, I'm putting all these disclaimers out there now because I kind of feel like I have to before I give an opinion on anything nowadays. Let me just say this just in terms of pure politics. When and if Dan Crenshaw one day takes the oath of office at 1600, right before the Capitol building for president of the United States, he's going to need to send a, a dividend thank you card cookie bouquet something like that to whoever that degenerate filth is over there at the young Turks because they would have played and the likes of that person would have played a monumental role in making that happen all right that as you like to say Todd that's gold Jerry I mean if you are work if you're the if you're running the political arm of congressman uh Crenshaw's office over there. You're probably thinking who needs a lottery ticket? Wait, I just got one. Are you kidding me? You're like we we could not have asked for anything better than that. I mean, that's that is Well, to, let me, let me, in fact, let me borrow let me borrow uh, f- uh, from our from our own president. Yes, yeah. manna from heaven well, is what that is. That's a that's political uh, I mean, you—you you that's political salvation, deliverance, all in one clip. For Trump too, if he would focus on it instead of
4: telling us he's the last Airbender, you know, it would be nice.
1: <laughs> yeah. Have you changed your diet? Have you? you, have, you have a new workout routine? Yeah. You, I is, mean, he has been cash freaking money with these pop culture analogies the last few days. This true. is crazy. It's true.
4: That was on my bucket list. I always had to get the last Airbender in there some way, and it's
1: clearly Trump. But I mean, can, I mean that is you can't, you couldn't contrive that, you couldn't conjure it up if you tried, and for them just to voluntarily hand you a clip like that, and, and and just to explain why it gives you, you have all it gives you all the high ground you could ever want, and then all the license you can it gives you the license to both take the high ground, claim it. And then it gives you all the permission you could ever ask for to while while you have the high ground, disembowel them and get like none of it on you at the exact same time. You like you, walk yeah. out of there like you were just you were just given a silkwood shower, despite the fact you just got through tearing apart limb by limb this other person. You can't you can't get opportunities like this in politics. They they either have to be granted to you by providence or by the complete depravity of your opponents. One or the other.
4: Well, the latter is the. The essence of the one who is dumbest last loses.
1: Yes, and there's no way to get dumber than that. Like you can't lose this. Yeah. Now, there's now Dan Crenshaw could play this in a way that he doesn't win it as much as he should, but you cannot lose. You can't just just by virtue. All, if you just showed up on a camera with an iPad, rotate. That's all. That, it never said a word. Right. Win, win, win. All he does is win, 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 no matter what. It's just a matter of how much of a win this is. I mean, if 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 y'all aren't playing that clip for as long as he's in Congress, it's like for the rest of his career. If, if we're not sitting here, whether it's still here for the blaze or we're in my basement somewhere because everybody smarted up and thought these guys blow at this, whatever it is, whatever platform we're still doing this on, if, we're, if like we're not sitting here five years from now and saying, man, I wish Crenshaw would quit bringing up that Young Turks thing, right? Then everybody in, your, in, the, grand, in the Crenshaw political office, you're all fired you're all terrible at this, because you'll never get another gift like that ever, ever.
2: ever. I'm not so sure about that. What didn't I thought they'd learned their lesson the pete the 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 comedian on Saturday night. that's Live, right. I forgot about that. He one was too. making yeah. fun of his eye, too. Yeah.
1: yeah. they didn't learn their lesson. All right, so scratch that last part, but everything else I just yeah. said, all right, you can't overplay this man. And that is rare in politics. to be given a gift you can't overplay. This would be one of them. More in a moment. If you're looking to take advantage of a booming real estate market right now, uh, make sure you sign up with a real estate agent that you can trust. I don't know about where you live, but here in my uh, Des Moines suburb, we've got all kinds of real estate companies in this market that have not been here before taking advantage of a good economy. Uh, most of them are, you know, names you've heard before, but uh, there's a couple of names. I'm like, uh, are they on the up and up? How would you know for sure? Well, that's where real estate agents, I trust.com comes into play. Now this is different than other referral services that are really about finding clients clients for agents this is about finding an agent worthy of having any of you for a client somebody with a a proven track record of success uh, doesn't just talk a good game and then doesn't deliver results number two somebody who's got a marketing plan other than how about you clean your house from top to bottom so we do another open house again this sunday that two people attend Uh, and then somebody who also returns calls understands that yes at times you're going to need to have your house ready with little notice, but maybe gives you more than, Hey, we're down your, we're down the street. Can we swing by? And then returns your calls uh, promptly when you need them as well. If you, that sounds like the agent you're looking for, then you're looking for realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that website is realestateagentsitrust.com. So we're going to spend a good deal of time here with, uh, for Theology Thursday talking about a movie that's being put together right now. Here's a little taste.
0: So we're making a movie. This movie's gonna rock the boat, but it's gonna rock the boat in a good way. We love the local church. We're traveling all over the world. We are meeting with some wonderful people. All you have to do is look around in America and we all know something is wrong with the church. Pietism allows for an Adolf Hitler to come to power. Neither this or any other political issue deserves a whole sermon. And so we're not going to do that. It takes the Church of Jesus Christ and sets it over here and says, don't have anything to do with civil government matters. I believe people go through hell, not ultimately to hell. Well, loving is a big deception today in the church, isn't it? You know, Loving just means, in the modern church, it's do whatever you like and we'll still love you.
4: I always knew I was queer. I always identified as bisexual and for the last few decades i've known i'm a christian
0: so logically if you were wanted to bring this country down if you wanted to twist christianity in this country wouldn't the evangelical churches be the
2: best target
1: so that's a little taste. We're going to show you a little bit more uh, from this film a little bit later on in today's show. But uh, the voice you heard there narrating it uh, and doing some of the interviews that were in that clip, he joins us now. He's an old friend of mine. Uh, his name is uh, Pastor Kerry Gordon. And uh, it's good to have you with us, brother. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. Great to be on your show, Steve.
1: So give us the name of the project and, and tell us why you guys decided to, to take this on, Kerry.
3: Well, the name of the movie is Enemies Within the Church, and you can go to our website at enemieswithinthechurch.com. And it is a, an expose of a carefully crafted infiltration of Western Christianity at every level that is going on right now in every denomination. And in, in most of the Bible seminaries, there are very few left that haven't been impacted by it. And the next generation of pastors are coming out of our Bible colleges and seminaries. They're already taking their churches as senior bishops and senior pastors. And they believe Jesus was a socialist. And the ramifications of this movement and what it means 10 years from now, 15, 20 years from now, are hard to describe. I mean, at some point, if it doesn't stop, if we don't expose the malevolence and expose the dishonesty involved inside these organizations, there will come a time where my children and your children will struggle to find a church that preaches Christian orthodoxy that can be traced across 2,000 years. And um, it's chilling, because I'll put it to you this way. I was flying in to Washington, D.C. For, a, for an event concerning our movie, and I just happened to bring along a book to pass the time, and I'm, I'm reading along, and lo and behold, I discover the quote of the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences after they conducted a 20-year study trying to figure out what makes Western civilization such a nemesis to them. Why is America specifically such a pain in their rear? Why are we so powerful? Why do we have so much money? Why do we have such a great military? What is the secret to the greatness of their enemy? This is a the communist. These are atheists trying to figure out what's the deal with America. So they do a 20-year study with empirical evidence and the results are this is what they come to the reason America is our arch nemesis and they're the most powerful country in the world and the richest country in the world and 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 causing us constant troubles as communists is because America is founded on biblical Christian truth and I'm reading this in an airplane landing in Washington DC and. I'm fighting back the tears thinking about what this means. Communist Chinese atheists have said, you know, the reason why America is great is because of Christianity. And I'm landing in Washington, D.C. and realizing hardly any of the people in that Capitol building truly believe that. And then you fast forward a couple of years later. And so China is, you know, they're the big stronghold of communism. Well, North Korea two years after the study, the study came out in 2011, so about 2013, 2014, right in there, Kim Jong-un takes 80 people in the largest cities of North Korea, he requires men, women, and children, and whole families by the tens of thousands to come watch, and he takes 80 people, ties them to a post, and they're publicly executed with a machine gun. In broad daylight in front of children and what were they guilty of kim jong-un in north korea executes about 80 people in 2014 because they were found to have possession of this book right here called a bible apparently kim jong-un believes that the contents of this bible are so anti-communist and anti-marxist that the death penalty is warranted for a citizen of North Korea to be found with this anti-communist book. But then you realize in America, on the other side of the great big pond, ministers are standing in their pulpits and they're lying to young people telling them that Jesus and the contents of the Bible supports Marxism and communism. So we're at a tipping point in Western civilization and it's really serious And we're going to tackle this issue in a movie, and our last movie, Enemies Within, which you can see on Amazon Prime, has already had over one million people pay to watch it. And we think because this is a bigger budget and a bigger production company, this movie will potentially reach three million people with a warning shot about a false gospel called the Social Justice Gospel. And the ramifications of what that false gospel means And also, we're going to have an opportunity to present the real gospel by the end of the movie. So as a minister, as a pastor who loves people, and ultimately I want to bring people to saving faith in Jesus Christ, I've never had a greater opportunity in all of my life to present the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of the cross and what it means to over 3 million people. So that's everything in a nutshell, Steve. Does that make sense?
1: It makes a ton of sense. Uh, And I I knew you'd give us some clarity. That's why I gave you a very open-ended question to start to give you the platform to do that. Let's get to some specifics. You know, you're not a Southern Baptist— um, I belong no. to a non-denominational church. You you preach out of a different denominational tradition, but they are right. and have been for for all of you and I's lifetimes the largest evangelical denomination on this continent. I think maybe in the world. All right? right, and uh, they are being ripped asunder right now. Uh, the constant stories about uh, these debates that you're talking about. Now, this is a denomination. Right. If you know the history of American Christianity, there's been one denomination ever that went liberal, went pagan, basically, because we're not even talking about liberal politics here as much as a pagan um, ethos is really what we're talking about. There's been one denomination in American Christianity's history that has ever gone pagan and come back. And it was a Southern Baptist convention. And it was because you had men like Adrian Rogers and others in the late 1970s who led that denomination through a purging. They, they literally went seminary by seminary congregation by congregation and purged yeah. all of their, uh, all of their pagan leftists out of the pulpit. Now, In today's world with cable news and social media, I I can't even imagine how folks would react if that level of movement was attempted again. But it is ironic that this denomination is on the front lines of this debate that you're talking about. How much of this, Carrie? you and I each have our own various thoughts about Donald Trump. Okay. So this isn't about voting for him or not voting for him, but, but. One of the things I've seen with Southern Baptists is a lot of this has exploded as folks have been concerned that linking themselves, the denomination too closely with Donald Trump is, is, is causing them to lose the next generation and and their parents, you know, look like baby boomer political sellouts and they're worried about the grandchildren are walking away from the faith while suddenly, you know, presidents who have affairs and those sorts of things, we don't seem to care anymore if they can own the libs, Right. How much of this, in, like in the Southern Baptist Convention, is really an overreaction to a temporal presidency? And how much of it is really they're truly debating taking on the merits of, of of pagan social justice?
3: Well, I think that three things are happening at the same time. On the one hand, you have calculated leaders who are in positions of authority in seminaries and the Bible colleges And in some of the larger churches of the Southern Baptist Church, who have been secretly admiring Marxist concepts for a very long time. And they're considered thought leaders. They are looked to um, almost as uh, some sort of Protestant pope in some sense. And they have great authority. But they realize that if they come out of the closet, so to speak, and say, look, I think that there's a place for socialism within the scriptures, that the Bible supports uh, some kind of a limited form of socialism. They know that if they say that they're gonna be defrocked and they're gonna lose all their integrity and no one's gonna listen to them. So what they're doing is they're deliberately positioning people uh, in other positions as change agents. They're riding both ends of the issue, staying on the fence with things. If they're in front of a group that's in favor of the Marxist-based social justice gospel, then they'll talk sort of gently and favorably uh, about issues like racism and Mm -hmm. sexism and misogyny. But if they're in another very, very conservative group, they know how to talk that language too. And they're doing that so that they can be change agents. And this is willful and it's deliberate and uh, some of what we're going to do in our movie is we're going to name names that we have absolute, irrefutable proof that will stand up in court that there are people willfully subverting Christianity in positions of authority. Secondly, you have just good red-blooded Americans that love Jesus and go to church every week, and they hear a word like racism, and they're like, hey, racism is wrong. Yeah, 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 I'm against racism. Or, you know, should we be mistreating people that are just coming here uh, to, to have a better life, and they're bringing their wife and their kids and and yeah, they're doing something wrong with the southern border, but should we be mistreating them? And of course, everyone says, well, no, we shouldn't mistreat people. And so these red-blooded Americans are getting these buzzwords. They know the Bible's against racism, but what they don't understand is the language and the lingo that's being used and the premise for it is Marxism. It, it's not a biblical understanding of loving people regardless of melanin in their skin. Mm-hmm. And so then you've got people that don't realize they're being useful idiots. That they're being used and exploited and then you've got people that don't understand the ramifications and the error theologically the danger the poison of the social justice movement and its talking points and they're in the user-friendly church movement so they are pastors that say hey our churches are dying out people aren't coming to church and these are cool buzzwords that millennials like to hear and if i talk like this then my church will keep growing and what they've done is In some last-ditch effort to try to grow churches that are otherwise slowly dwindling in Western civilization, I say, because we're not being faithful to orthodoxy, because we're not being faithful to truth, therefore we lack the grace that is needed to have the kind of fruit bearing that we see in in the New Testament. When you preach repentance and you preach the truth, if you look at the book of Acts, the church blows up and people get saved. But what we've done is we've stopped preaching the truth. Specifically, we've avoided making people feel bad about their sin. And so there's this user friendly model. They said, Hey, these social justice talking points attract a crowd. And so I don't think those pastors are always willfully saying, Hey, I'm a socialist and I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to slowly teach people socialism. They're just hopping on a popular bandwagon, trying to be relevant using poisonous language. But the problem with this is, you know, your millennials are in college. And they're listening to an atheist professor all week long who hates God, who hates Christianity, and he's using these buzz, buzzwords like, you know, um, you know, sexual identity and, and, and white privilege and, and all these talking points. Then they, they leave their atheistic college class and they go to the big user-friendly church in town that's got 2,000, 2,500 people. And the pastor gets up. Lo and behold, he's talking about white privilege and, and racism. And so they're like, hey, this is great. You know, my college professor and my pastor at church agree. Well, this is really scary, actually. Why are we using the lingo of atheists? So there's a whole bunch of different things going on. But the bottom line is at the very top of this, there are people who are conscientious willful, subversive people who know good and well that they would be rejected if people knew what they really believed about economic theory as a Christian thought leader. And they have convinced themselves by violating hermeneutical law and by listening to poisonous teaching from other people, they've convinced themselves that this book promotes socialism. They really believe it, and they know that it's not acceptable to come out and just say it. So they're actively working as change agents, agents, to bring us to a point where they can finally come out and say it without consequences, okay. that's what's going on. and it's scary.
1: Carrie, I've got about three and a half minutes before a hard break, and I have to let you go. Is there okay. somebody is there a name that are, a lot of people in our audience would know as a commentator on cultural religious issues that yeah. you would feel comfortable naming as someone that is trying to willfully infiltrate the church with Marxist social theory? Tim Keller. Tim Keller, the the megachurch pastor from New York City.
3: Absolutely. Tim Keller is revered, he's loved by millennials, and if you study him carefully, we have irrefutable evidence, we know for a fact, that he truly believes, I don't think he's lying, I think he really believes it, I think it's false doctrine and it's error, but Tim Keller believes that this book promotes a socialist economic platform. That's what he believes. He has talked in his own publications, and they're kind of buried. And A lot of people like him. As soon as you bring him up, a lot of people get offended. I've seen it in some of our public meetings. People are like, what? Tim Keller's wonderful. You know what? He says a lot of good things. And here's the thing you got to realize. If you study people that have misled the church over the last many centuries, 95% of what a lot of these guys say is solid and biblical and honorable. It's the 5% that's poison. And we have to call it out. If we love the Lord, we've got to be honorable to the scripture and defend truth. Tim Keller uh, has um, some kind of a crush on the German school of liberal theology. And he's listened to him way too much. And he's got publications where he comes right out. And he said, I think in one of his books, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But he basically said that he was fascinated and really impacted by the German theologians that you and I refer to as uh, the fountainhead of liberal theology.
1: Hmm. How can people support your movie? I got about a minute here. How can they support your movie and learn more about it?
3: First of all, pray for us. Can you imagine how many people hate our guts and we haven't even got more than about a three-minute trailer out yet? (laughs) There are so many people, they will fight you to defend people that are abusing the scripture, but they don't seem to understand how serious it is to defend Jesus and defend the integrity of the gospel. Pray for us. We've got a lot of enemies. Secondly, you can go to our website, enemieswithinthechurch.com. You can donate right there. And we need donations. Hollywood's not going to fund this movie. It's got to be funded by, you know, normal people like you and me that just give what we can. And I'm really proud of all the donors. We've got thousands of donors that have been donating. We still haven't met our budget. So donate enemieswithinthechurch.com donate right there. And then thirdly, take our trailer and share it everywhere you can so people can see our trailer. And we really appreciate those three things.
1: All right. Enemieswithinthechurch.com is the website. You can get the full trailer there uh, and you can donate to the cause there. Kerry, it's good to see you, my friend. All right. Keep us up to date on the movie. All right.
3: Okay. God bless you, Steve. All right.
1: Same to you. We're going to show you this full trailer when we return and then we're going to follow up Uh, With our own thoughts on what we heard from Pastor Kerry Gordon here as Theology Thursday continues on The Steve Day Show, live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. here live it on demand on the blaze radio tv and podcast i am steve dace todd and aaron here with me as well if you are listening to us today via the podcast you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review via the podcast preference of your choice we would be very grateful because the more of those we get the more the algorithms shine brightly upon us and help us to find more people like you which makes it more likely we get to continue to do this for you the people. Thank you to all of you that have uh, put in those five-star reviews. We greatly appreciate every single one of them. Please keep them coming. Coming up here at the bottom of the hour, we'll take a little bit of break from what's probably going to be a pretty heavy conversation here in a few minutes with our three non-political questions. But before we get to that, if you have hit a wall where your New Year's resolutions are concerned or your promise to get healthier this year is concerned, and you might even have reached that point too where now you're kind of like, yeah, I like getting active and working out my body. I feel better. That's great, but I'm, I'm not losing as much weight as I thought I was going to. Well, when it comes to weight loss health, when it comes to pure health, then exercise matter and activity matters a lot. But if you're trying to lose weight, then diet actually matters more than exercise. Exercise helps, right? The more you do to kick that metabolism into gear, the better, but your diet is gonna have a lot more to say about it. And, and a common mistake people make, and I take, take it from me, I've, I've lost in the triple digits, so I know a little bit about what works and what doesn't. I'm not an expert, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a participant uh, in this process. Uh, it's, not, it's not what you're eating, uh, it, it's how much. Okay, it's how much you're eating. Unless you have a food allergy, lots of Americans do. Our producer, Aaron, would happen to be one of them. Okay, he needs to watch what he's eating, all right? Yeah, but, but for most of us that don't have those, it's how much we're eating and not what. And that, that's where a lot of those gains you're making in the gym or walking in the neighborhood or being active with your kid, that's where you can literally just uh, erase those with your eating habits. So if you want to control your portion sizes, your cravings, give Rid a shot. It's a really simple um, uh, thing that it does. It it takes this OEA, that is the signal that goes from the gut up to the brain, so the brain knows, hey, you're full, and and that's when we stop eating, and it it does its job from there, and it just puts that signal back in your body or boosts it more. That's all riduzone is. When you turn over the bottle, you're going to see it's, got three natural ingredients and one of them is OEA. It's the overwhelmingly main ingredient. So this isn't loaded with chemicals, stimulants, caffeine. It's just about boosting that signal to help you with your portion sizes and craving controls. If you want to try it, use my name Steve as a promo code and you'll get a special offer when you go to their website. Riduzone.com, that's R I D U Z O N E for riduzone.com. <clears throat> Pardon me. So we, we just talked with Pastor Kerry Gordon. We showed you a snippet of the trailer uh, for the movie that they're working on called Enemies Within the Church. And you can learn more about this at enemieswithinthechurch.com. Um, we have the full trailer, Aaron. Can we play the full one? Yep. All right, it's about four minutes. I didn't want to play it before we brought Kerry on because I didn't want to eat into too much of his time. But I want our audience to see this. Here it is.
0: So we're making a movie. This movie's gonna rock the boat, but it's gonna rock the boat in a good way. We love the local church. We're traveling all over the world. We are meeting with some wonderful people. All you have to do is look around in America and we all know something is wrong with the church. Pietism allows for an Adolf Hitler to come to power. Neither this or any other political issue deserves a whole sermon. And so we're not gonna do that. That takes the Church of Jesus Christ and sets it over here and says, don't have anything to do with civil government matters. I believe people go through hell, not ultimately to hell. Well, loving is a big deception today in the church, isn't it? You know, loving just means in the modern church, it's do whatever you like and we'll still love you.
4: I always knew I was queer, I always identified as bisexual. And for the last few decades, I've known I'm a Christian.
0: So logically, if you wanted to bring this country down, if you wanted to twist Christianity in this country, wouldn't the evangelical churches be the best target? Wouldn't wouldn't that where the devil would want to go
1: most? The notion of white privilege is silly because Every individual has their own challenges, their own problems, their own story.
2: The evangelical church is perpetuating white is right, and that is a burden that none of us can bear.
1: I'm supposed to buy the idea that a person is my oppressor and I am their victim because their skin is one color, my skin is another color. I mean, that's the message it's trying to send and for the church to buy into that. The Old Covenant,
3: the Old Covenant Law of Moses was not the go-to source regarding sexual behavior in the church. More importantly, (laughs) and perhaps more disturbingly, that's a word, or offensively, the Old Testament, or the Law and the Prophets, as they called it, was not gonna be the go-to source for any behavior
1: in the church. They're cherry-picking their reality. They wanna say that that the law is not real in matters of sexual morality or whatever it is their agenda might be.
0: So you don't, you don't feel that the gospel out of the Bible and the social justice gospel are the same gospel? No. Social justice, that's
1: justice that's defined by society, justice that's defined by man. If it's biblical justice, it's justice that's defined by God. You
4: are not accountable to the 10 commandments. You're not accountable to the Jewish law.
0: But your children, My children, our grandchildren, they may
3: very well live a long time, maybe their entire lifetime, not being able to go to a church that preaches the true gospel if this doesn't change.
0: I tend to avoid using the word hell because I don't want to feed into the popular bias that hell is a place of fiery torment. And you think about where these ideas come from, the first thing that they want to make sure that they do is to take the world and shatter it to bits the civilization that we had, break into as many small pieces as possible with the intention then of molding it together according to their heart's
3: desire. I think they would be utterly shocked if they knew that the money that they give to church on Sunday, some of it's going to fund this kind of stuff on Monday. It is happening.
0: We have solutions to America's problems. This movie's gonna rock the boat, but it's gonna rock the boat in a good way. There's still hope for the future of America. There's still hope. Don't surrender. Don't give up. We're optimistic and you can be too. Join the movement at com. All right, so
1: that's the full trailer to the movie we are just talking about with uh, the gentleman whose voice is is narrating a lot of that uh, trailer and is doing a lot of the interviews with some of the luminaries that are depicted there, Pastor Kerry Gordon. Before I give some more of my thoughts, um, I want to give uh, you an, uh Aaron a chance to respond here, Todd, to what we heard from Pastor Kerry, what's in that trailer. Uh, what are your thoughts?
4: Well, uh, Pastor Carey did a really important thing there towards the end when he was talking uh, because, th- listen, this, this is a man of deep conviction and he's clearly not a shrinking violet. I mean, he, he, he will uh, bring the pain when he thinks it's necessary, but in how he dealt with Tim Keller, I, I thought there was great... Uh, Christian uh, mercy, and as you always talk about, the the need uh, to uh, allow uh, for uh, con- uh, arguments to take place over conscience, because when he said we may likely agree with 95%, but we disagree on that 5%, you need to go into this thing with that sort of Modus operandi. Otherwise, you you're you're going to get offended and you're going to run away. I mean, Pastor Kerry Gordon and I. I've never i i i've dealt with him online. I've never met him in person. But I'm Catholic. He's not. He would have strong opinions, and and, and so would I. But we would we would have to uh, ultimately uh, break bread over the things we agree with, so we can have an honest dis- discussion about the things we may not be on the same page on. And that's why his point was with Tim Keller, uh, uh, because it, this is that important. Even in that five percent. If that strain takes hold in the church, that's exactly how the devil worked. He got in there with that, did God really say? It seemed innocent and innocuous enough at the time, but it kicked us uh, east of Eden. And so that's my, that was my first thought. I thought, you know, come together, iron sharpening ire, be not afraid to go into this and to you, 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 you're you probably, if, if this they're doing this right, you're going to feel a little uncomfortable at some point and maybe in a way you didn't expect. That don't throw the baby out with the bathwater.
1: To respond to what you just said and put a finer, just a, even a finer point on it, because I think it's so good, is Tim Keller, let's just, and, and having known Kerry for as many years as I have, um, he's not going to name a name if he doesn't think he has his facts. So let's grant Kerry's point that, that, keller is somewhere between fascinated to um an aficionado of marxist theory let let's assume that he is not using that as a false teacher but just has a false belief and let's assume that when he is when he's saying those other 95 percent of things that Kerry said that he agreed that he agrees with as a pastor that it is not in order to uh, to get the camel's nose under the tent, it, correct. It could very well be, could very well be. But for the sake of this conversation, let's assume though that it's not. Well, Kerry okay? said, I don't
4: think he's lying. I just think <clears throat> right. he's
1: wrong. Let, let's say it's 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 not. This is not. It, he's not another Rob Bell. All right. Let's just say he's just wrong That's on correct. this. What a Tim Keller needs to be. <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. What a Tim Keller needs to be told if he's not another Rob Bell, but he's just wrong. What he needs to be shown is by by permitting this conversation by permitting this heterodoxy into the orthodoxy by letting it in you are aiding and abetting this is see you may think that you can randomly choose off of the menu you may be approaching it that way you may have a view that the bible doesn't have an explicit political hermeneutic and i would actually agree it doesn't but that doesn't mean it embraces socialism either. Correct. Okay. It doesn't mean it believes the state. The Bible is very clear. The state is not God, which that's the first commandment of any socialist state is the state is God. That's why they always ban all the Bibles. Right. Because the, the state's just as, is an even more jealous. God. What a Tim Keller, the likes of him needs to be shown is that you're even you're flirting with this. You may view this as a piecemeal process. You're you're kind of walking through this and maybe I can have some left of center political views and hold on. You have to understand the worldview you're up against, the spirit of the age progressivism that you're up against, the Marxism you're up against, offers you no such piecemeal. This is not an a la carte menu. This is an iron fist. You'll take it all or you'll be made to care. Mm -hmm. And by you even flirting with this one item on the menu... They're going to use that to say you'll take the whole menu, which, mean, which includes the state is Lord and not Christ. You'll take that too. Or, or, or gulag or, or banishment or subhuman status. Because, because he's in New York City. And there's a lot of liberal media people that go to his church. I see them tweeting about it all the time. There's one gentleman used to host a show on MSNBC. I can't remember his name. Was an active member at, the, at his church. He used to talk about it all the time. I'd remember his name if you told me, but I can't remember it. He thinks he's living in this world where he's, where, where Keller, the likes of Tim Keller believe they're living in a world where they, they can abstain from the cultural cold civil war. And by doing so, they'll be granted some sort of Switzerland-like status. That's the lie they believe. And no. What's gonna happen is when they're done getting rid of the Kerry Gordons of the world, who were the f- people that ran to the front lines to defend the likes of you, Mr. Keller, you're even easier pickings then. They're they're not gonna just let you, they're not gonna say, you know, because you were nicer, because you were more proper and prim than the likes of Kerry Gordon or Steve Dace. We're going to let, when we're done, we're going to let, you can have your own little pocket of orthodoxy over here while we've heterodoxy everywhere else. Oh no, they're not going to do that. They're going to run you over next because there won't, there won't be a line of defense. You'll be even easier pickings then. So you're either doing this in order to become a false teacher or you're just a naive fool and you're aiding and abetting the people that will be ultimately your undoing in the end it's just a matter of which one of this which one it is right mm,
4: yes it is and so as once were we i mean in, in many respects i know enough about uh tim keller's ministry to know who he is than that he is not it's a total loon um but the the description i know of him very much describes my own church yeah. the catholic church and its it, it, many of its the, the men his age uh his generation who lead the church just by by default currently that level of inertia is something that many many younger people. I mean, I had a deacon who is now a man of roughly seventy years old, and we had. A, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I uh, he flat out told me my generation, my generation just needs to die. I mean, he was talking about we're just wandering around in the desert. This generation is just so choked by the kind of things Kerry Gordon is talking about. Within, I'm t- speaking of the Catholic Church now, that it's um, in, in, until that changes fundamental change is largely just a pipe dream.
1: So Aaron, you and I are both uh, hardcore evangelicals. We're solo scriptor people like Carrie is. And, And so because it's my name on the show and I lead it, you know, I, 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 it's always going to be led with my perspective and bias that I bring to the table when we discuss these issues. But I'm well aware of the fact we're doing broadcasting here and we have a pretty diverse audience. I hear from our Jewish audience all the time. I hear from our LDS audience all the time. I hear from our Catholic audience all the time. And the reality is, the stuff that Carrie's talking about going on in the evangelical church, I mean, I get, I get emails from LDS folks who are like, I cannot believe the social justice crap they're teaching at BYU right now. I, I mean... We just had a debate over the weekend, uh, you know, where we had we had, quote unquote, Jewish organizations siding with anti-Semitic members of Congress over Israel about why they wouldn't admit them and let them in. This is a whole cloth contagion. Now, if you hold on to any semblance of Judeo-Christian moral orthodoxy, this this postmodern contagion that's been unleashed by the spirit of the age progressives, I mean, whatever your Trinitarian views are, and I'm proudly Trinitarian and I'll defend that until my last breath on this earth, whatever your Trinitarian views are, whether you believe Jesus was the Messiah or not. And I not only believe he was the Messiah, I believe he was Lord God incarnate. And I'll defend that to my last breath on this earth as well. But whatever your views are on those particular issues and theological premises, if you belong to a tradition that has its moral standing Based in traditional biblical teaching, then the postmodern contagion that the the spirit of the age progressives, the leftists have unleashed, you're a target. And so I get these emails from people across the theological spectrum that are not just seeing this in in the SBC or evangelicalism, but are seeing this whole cloth um, across the theological divide from leftists right now.
2: Yep, it is rife. I mean, it is rife. Right. Systemic, again, that word, we dropped that a, a lot. Systemic, it is the default setting, seemingly, across all of evangelicalism in the United States, and as you pointed out, other denominations, other other whole-cloth denominations as well. It is systemic. And, and you dropped a term, and it's been dropped a few times in this conversation, uh, social justice. And and why do we always have a bad taste in our mouth when we talk about social justice? Is because it's It's another term for the carrying out of spirit of the age progressivism. That's really what it is. And you heard in the trailer there the differentiation on the part of Everett Piper of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. You heard the differentiation between social justice and biblical justice. You always come to what we now know as social justice by getting biblical justice wrong. And what is biblical justice? Biblical justice is we all deserve hell. Once you start to question that, once you start to toss that out, mm-hmm. once you start to say, well, <clears throat> God wouldn't, or "God did, did God really say, you start to go down the road of Rob Bell, and you heard a couple of people in that trailer. Yeah, I don't like to say hell. Biblical justice is recognizing that we all deserve hell, no matter how good we do, no matter what we do. But if you get that wrong, you start going down the road of human beings are perfectible. We can be perfectible. Because once you, once you, uh, once you start to go down the road of you know, questioning whether or not we really do deserve hell, you will inevitably go down the road of we can actually avoid hell and we can actually make things right by our own might. And that's why you get so many of the things that you get out of social justice, mm-hmm. the idea the idea that we can have equality of outcomes. The idea that everyone, every idea, every idea is equal. Every, uh, every culture is equal. That's where all of this thinking comes from. It is at its root, especially in the world of, of you know, uh, of religion, of the different denominations that you just mentioned, Steve. The key of all of this, infiltrating the church, is questioning and then an outright denial of what biblical justice actually is. And I think that's probably the thing that stood out to me the most.
1: Yes. You know, the, one of the ironies I thought in the conversation with Kerry is he cited a, <clears throat> a very liberal German theological tradition. He made a, a couple of uh, vague references to it, uh, especially when he was talking about things that Tim Keller has mentioned in the past. I, if my history serves, and I'm not Eric Metaxas on this subject, he kind of wrote the definitive Bonhoeffer book, but if, if, if my history, if my memory serves, if my history is correct, I believe Bonhoeffer came out of that, tr- those traditions actually came out of those, came out of those very left wing. Uh, in fact, I believe before world war II, yep. before the rise of Hitler, I, I think he was touring Europe and the U S on kind of a social justice crusade, right? With that, with people out that of that tour, version, right? yep. Yeah. And so he, so contemplate that he was one of their proud adherents. And then when confronted with what happens when the church divorces itself from declaring there's only, that, that only God is God in the public sphere. And, and then, then once the church will do that, then it eventually will, will declare the state is God. And this is now where you're wearing your crucifixes and the iron cross on along right along on, on the same hymns neck as yes. the uh, trains
2: to the as the yeah. trains to the concentration camps go by your church.
1: Yes. So in a matter in a, in a not so you know um, long distance of time, Diedrich Bonhoeffer went from uh, let me tour America and Europe and tell you guys why you're a bunch of backwater Hicks that not need to know this new progressive way to I'm um, dying in a concentration camp. Uh, because I engaged in Project Valkyrie uh, to assassinate the Fuhrer. How, like, how does somebody go from, what that, from one of those extremes to the other? Because in, a very, in, in the most horrific way we've maybe seen in all of human history, Mr. Bonhoeffer was forced to confront the fact that the world is what it is and not what he preferred it to be. He was confronted with the fact: magical thinking sucks. That God is God; I am not. Evil is evil, and I have to recognize that. It's not. It's not. It's not a rehabilitation project. Uh, It's. It's not to be understood. It's not to be considered. It's not to be. Why? Why would you know? What was the motivation here? Well, the uh, the Genesis uh, uh, three ye' be like God, I'm God. I'm God. That's always the motivation for evil. I'm God. I am God, and He is not. That's the motivation for evil. And sadly, too many people from his theological tradition waited, the, you know, there's an interview early in that trailer that mentions pietism. That was a huge teaching at that point in time in German theological history. Morally therapeutic pietism, essentially. this idea that if I'm just nice enough, and i and i recognize the plight of disadvantaged peoples not not because um god has a heart for the fatherless not not because i'm taking jesus's first public sermon that he gives in luke where he quotes from the prophet isaiah right out of isaiah 61 i bring sight to the blind All right, not, not 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 because god is the source of giving those that are disadvantaged hope and redemption, but because a handout is the state is the state is that source. And then eventually when the, when the church says to the state, yes, you are that source of hope. You are that source of redemption. You are that source of law. If you tell the state this enough sooner or later, the state will say, you know what? You're right. And, and, what a Tim Keller is going to say to the likes of us is I don't live in Iowa. I don't live in, I'm not pastoring the heartland. Well, I believe by the way, that's a false choice. And we just start this show with Wichita debating whether to let sex offending drag Queens do story hour with kids at the library. Right. Okay. Right. So that's a false, that's a false choice right away.
4: And it would be, even if you didn't have a specific exactly example right. to offer.
1: But what he's going to say is, you know, I, you know, I'm not, I, this is, I'm pastoring Rome here. This isn't Jerusalem where, where Jews are arguing with Jews about whether Jesus was the Messiah or not, but they all agree on the same moral teachings. I'm, I'm in downtown Rome here in New York City. Well, go to Nineveh maybe? Yeah. If you, if you would have been a first century pastor and thought, you know, maybe the Jupiter worshipers are kind of right about, you know, like a few of these things. And then you told them, because we think you're right about a few of these things, you don't have to worship Jesus as God. You don't have to worship the one true God. You know, we really appreciate your food pantry program. So, you know, you guys stay worshiping Jupiter and we'll just work on feeding the hungry. Syncretism is life. Syncretism is love. That's right. That's it. That's in a way. Well, you know, I've got all these New York City liberals that come to my church. And, I, and and by the way, I've read tons of Tim Keller stuff. He, he, I've never read anything where he didn't clearly articulate that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the son of God. I've never read that. And, and by the way, if you have that, send it to us. I, but I've not seen any of that. I have seen him delve into the, delve into the, the social arena like Carrie talked about tries, and been a complete squish. He tries to okay? do
2: theology on Twitter and it's-
1: Yes, but, but, but when put point blank is Jesus the son of God is Jesus Lord? Is there another atonement for our sins? I've never seen him deny that. See, he thinks he can live in a world where he can hold on to the most important orthodoxy and give way on all these second and third level tertiary orthodoxies. And then the people that he gave into will, be, will let him hold on to his main orthodoxy because he gave in on those second and third level ones. I promise you, Tim, or anybody else who thinks this way, I promise you they won't. Once they've isolated you because you gave in on these second and third level orthodoxies and you're down just to the the absolute nitty gritty main thing, they'll eventually take that too. Because once you told them that the state is Lord when it comes to what's a human life, what's a gender, what's my provision? You know, Jesus said the worker is worth his hire. Why is anybody who didn't earn what I made entitled to what I make? Okay, Paul said to pay taxes, right? Pay taxes to those whom are due, honor to those who are due. I'm happy to pay for the highways and first responders and the cops. Why am I paying for Planned Parenthood? Why am I paying for that? Why am I paying for Drag Queen Story Hour? Why am I subsidizing that at the library? As long as you remain silent on that in the pulpit, they will take that as a cent. And they'll let you, while they're taking every ground except your actual ground, church ground, all the ground around it. They'll let you stay there, sit there and keep preaching your, prime, your, your, your prima facie orthodoxy that Jesus is the son of God. They'll let you keep doing that while you give away all of the, the accoutrements of the fact Jesus is Lord. One of the greatest theologians that ever lived, Abraham Kuyper, one of his most famous lines was, there's not a square inch of this earth over which Christ does not say, that is mine. In Revelation, I think it's in chapter three, Jesus says, I am the ruler of God's creation. I am funny the use of those two words together to start a sentence. They have some potency in the in the history uh, of, of, of the church, do they not? Moses says, Whom should I shall I say sent me? Tell them I am sent you. Jesus says, I am the ruler of God's creation. I am the ruler. I rule here. So once you've given away all these other second and third level accoutrements, you know, uh, properties of Jesus's rule, so that you can hold on to your, in, the, the, the primary place of Jesus's rule, the church. Once you've given those all away to the state, state worshipers, I promise you, they'll eventually knock on your door. And when you try to give them the polycarp line, well, I was really nice. You, 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 they'll treat you. Or when they, when, when, if you try to say to them, um, well, I was nice to you. I let you have your Planned Parenthood funding. I let you have your pride parades. I didn't say anything. I didn't disrupt that stuff. I just want to preach. I just want to preach the gospel, man. That's all I want do to preach the gospel. They're going to do you like they did Polycarp, bro. That's what they're going to do. Because you've already taught them that the state has some sovereignty here over God. And once you've said that to the state, once you've told the statist, yeah, there are some areas God's not sovereign and you are. And that sometimes when the judges tell, when the judges told me I had to get a gender reassignment surgery, I had to get one. There's nothing I could do. Look what happened to that black priest you wrote about a yes. week ago. Yes, yes. Once you've told the state, yeah, there are some areas you're sovereign and God is not, eventually the state will say, you know what? There's no area where God is sovereign and we are not. But thank you. Three non-political questions are next. Stay tuned. So I've got a confession to make. Pretty good thing to do when you just finished Theology Thursday, right? <laughs> I've got a confession to make, man. I have been out of Relief Factor this week, waiting for my next shipment to come in.
2: Dude. I thought you were going to launch into uh, a Foo Fighters song there for a little bit.
1: Um, it, it, uh, somebody gotten the best of you. Yeah, yeah, and it's been ever long. Yeah. Okay? And Relief Factor is my monkey wrench, if you know what I'm saying. Eh, Don't Foo cool. Fighters me, man. That's the best band since you two, in my opinion, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with that. They're I'm great. a big Foo Fighters guy. They're great. I, I think Dave Grohl and Foo Fighters are a thousand times the band that uh, he and uh, Kurt Cobain ever were together in Nirvana, Nirvana. That's just my take. All right, but um, best I need, since you two. That's a hot yeah. take. I mean, I need, I need a hero. Should I continue? Should we, um, are we done here? Do you think we're well, done?
2: You know, uh, I, this is a call to arms. I all, need. I mean, after all, you are my wonder wall. Oh, wait, that's not...
1: There. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> that's how yeah, and you Relief Factor like is my oasis while we're at that's it. How it you I mean. Yes. And when that shipment comes in, it's going to feel like a champagne supernova arrived in my mailbox. Oh. Don't step to me, young man. <laughs> uh, know you your place, all yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I feel anyway. like this show is turning into the swamp. <laughs> <clears throat> song. I have been... I am at a Relief Factor, and I'm... First couple days I was okay, but now we're into like day four and five and I'm like, I'm feeling it, man. So I am anxious. I'm like, I'm like, uh, Ralphie going and looking for the Ovaltine Dakota ring at the mailbox every day right now. Is it in yet? Is it in yet? I love this product. Uh, I, I couldn't recommend it more highly. Uh, it it it's had a huge benefit to my life, what it has done to help my body push back on inflammation that I I some of it's just I'm old age, you know, I'm getting older now, i'm forty six. Uh, and, and then some of it is my activity level. I, I work out at a pretty strenuous level for the average forty six year old. so, The joints and stuff uh, are are rebelling on me the older I get, right? And that's where Relief Factor comes in. Uh, All natural, four key natural ingredients, 100% drug-free, and yet it's created by physicians. So these are guys that know how to, and are allowed to subscribe or prescribe drugs, but they realized all we're doing is just treating symptoms here. We wanna help the body unleash its God-given healing power, and that's where Relief Factor comes in to help your body win the fight against that inflammation that's causing that chronic pain. If you wanna try it right now, starter kit is only a dollar a day for three weeks for 20 bucks for three weeks what do you got to lose for a dollar a day except maybe finally hopefully the pain get the starter kit right now at relieffactor.com that's relieffactor.com and now it is time for three non-political questions
0: we all have questions who am i why am i here where am i going who am i a search and a question of identity why am i here a question of meaning and purpose where am i going question of destiny Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three
2: questions on The Steve Day Show. Because we do need a break from the decline and fall and abject misery, that is Western civilization. Three non-political questions. First question is, what is on your Mount Rushmore of college football rivalries
1: oh finally i, one want, these, that I, I, I want these rapid fire i it.
2: want these to not be objective
1: to not be objective yeah. well I, I think i can make an objective case for michigan and ohio state to be there i mean yep. when espn did their That's um 20 best of the 20th century and they asked back in 2000 and they asked their readers at espn.com what's the best rivalry in sports michigan and ohio state won uh, so i'm gonna go with michigan and ohio state I mean the only two states I believe in american history that declared war on each other And that's really the genesis of this rivalry And I think you know, that's why there's an upper peninsula If I remember right, I can't remember who was president at the time But I think this settlement Was to take the upper peninsula away from your wisconsin give it to michigan and then this, the Toledo strip there. Because if you go to Toledo to this day, it's pretty 50-50 between Ohio. There's tons of Michigan fans in Toledo. So it, I think Toledo was given to Ohio and to compensate for that, the uh, what's known as the Upper Peninsula in Michigan was taken away from Wisconsin and given and given to to the state of Michigan. I think that was the compromise to to stop a bleeding Kansas
2: <laughs> was not expecting that history lesson from that question. That's yep. really cool. So
1: that's where it really and then it just spills over to you know the most intense sport around football. Um, so Michigan Ohio State is there Army Navy is unquestionably there. Uh, it's it's not even a rivalry that as much as it's an experience but but everything that goes into that um all of the 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 tradition um the legacy that's definitely there and both programs uh, have gotten better in recent years <clears throat> navy it was really good for a while they they kind of fell off last year army had been terrible for quite a while and now their coach jeff monken has brought them back so and both of them run in the triple option the one of the best sporting uh, productions I've seen in recent memory a few years ago, the the game that was in the snow, the blizzard in Philly, the army Navy game in the blizzard and CBS's production of that was so incredible. In fact, I think they won an Emmy for that. So army Navy's on there. If, if you just want, if, if when you think rivalry, if you think bitter, nasty, I can't be in the same room with you. Hatfields and McCoys. It's gotta be the iron Bowl's Gotta be on there. Auburn and Alabama. Yep. Um, Michigan and Ohio State has some spectacle, some nasty, all right? Like Notre Dame-USC is like a, is a rivalry of all spectacle. And Michigan-Ohio State has some of that pageantry and spectacle, some of the Auburn-Alabama nasty, but there's also still a lot of intertwining between those two schools. Bo Schembeckler was an Ohio State guy, was Ohio State's offensive coordinator. Woody Hayes was his mentor, you know? Um, Auburn-Alabama is just all nasty, nasty. So that, that's that got to be on there. And then I get one more, right? For four? Yep. Uh, I want to make this one really count. Um, it, historically, it's not a great rivalry. But in terms of rivalries that shaped my upbringing and that got my attention, like I, I hear from people all the time as a Michigan fan, I didn't grow up in Michigan. I don't care who wins. I never missed a Michigan-Ohio State game. You know, and I kind of get that, but then I kind of don't. I don't know why people in North Carolina watch Michigan and Ohio State. Um, there was a rivalry when I was a kid, and it was very short-lived.
4: I have a nostalgia one like this too, and I'm going to be really interested if we have the same. same one.
1: And we might have the same one. You're wearing the shirt, actually. Uh, no, then I don't. Catholics versus convicts, Notre Dame, Miami, uh, in 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 the late '80s. That was i mean jimmy johnson running up the score to get jerry faust fired in 1985 and 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 after the game he was asked about he's like i don't know try tackling us okay it's not my job to tackle us it's yours all right that was our thanksgiving weekend whole nation's watching and they're putting up like 58 or whatever it was on notre dame in that game uh and then the, that the 1988 notre dame miami game is one of the greatest games i've ever seen in my life it's it's it, it, if you get a chance to go and watch it on YouTube or anything of that nature it that, I mean just incredible. That was for a moment in, I could pick USC and Notre Dame historically or several other games. You know the Apple Cups are great rivalry. Yep. Um but if I I got I feel like I need to pick one outlier and so I'm going to go with a something that was a rival for only like 4 years but it was so omnipresent. And I can't even imagine if we had social media back then, how viral that would have gone. It was viral at a time we didn't have that media back then. So I'm going to go with the Notre Dame-Miami rivalry of the late 80s for my fourth.
4: I, uh, I The Iron Bowl, absolutely. Uh, I will go with, uh, the. I think, uh, the Red River rivalry. Yeah, that's a good so, one. I yeah. think that is in the Pardon contention. Me. Mm-hmm. My nostalgia one, and even for a narrower window of time, I think. But I, this one popped into my head, and I think I got to honor it. it because it's a, a, a Nebraska college football during the Tommy Frazier era. To me, is like that. That just smells. It reeks of college football. I mean, it was and, and that odd offense. It was perfection. And watching Tommy Frazier run it, uh, it was art. Uh, but. Uh, within that window and i don't remember the overlap exactly but
1: colorado oh yeah was a force in yeah. that that one, was kind of a version of for, there was yeah. bill mccartney kind of turned yeah. that into a catholics yeah. versus yes. convicts with. there was a window there where that was as I fierce as any say of them that. I, that was that's a good call that I mean, historically more, nebraska and oklahoma is no. one of the great rivalries but they're not in the same right. conference anymore
4: so that's my nostalgia one but space bar space bar space bar ever since i moved here it's number 1 is wisconsin iowa
1: um,
2: I would say, for me, because this is the one that I'm most invested in, it's got to be the Si game. I mean, it's a rivalry that had to be paused for a while, reportedly, because it got too in- intense. Um, and uh, I-, I wish they had a better trophy. Is that possible
1: that's, in a that's, football
2: that's the, game? That's the um, that's the only that's the only thing that's bad about this rivalry is is the trophy they. That's screwed.
1: Iowa and Iowa State for people who live outside of Iowa. Yeah, yeah. The,
2: the trophy. They have not. They improved figured it. it. They improved it. They yeah. have not figured it out. I mean, if a, a rivalry, a classic rivalry, it has to have one trophy that's been around for like two hundred years, you know, or something sure. like that. And they change it like every ten. It's stupid. But anyway, so there's that. There's the Iron Bowl. That's I mean, Chris Davis. You know that that one is really cool. Uh, let's see. And I was gonna say the Red River Shootout as well. And then I really like the Apple Cup, especially especially these rivalries are, are even better. They're dialed up to eleven um, if they don't involve your own uh, you know team that you, or you that you're invested in. And there's inclement weather. The uh, the uh, Apple Cup last year, you guys remember that? They played in like a foot of snow. Yeah, that was yep. that was pretty cool. So yep. those are my four on the uh, Mount Rushmore. All right, question number two: If you were forced forced to get a tattoo. What would the uh, tattoo be of, and where would you put it?
1: If I was forced to get a tattoo, um, I would would get um, maybe something like Romans 828 or my kid's birthdays or something like on an ankle or something like that.
4: Oh, this is easy. Just a big old cross on my shoulder. I might, I may even Boy, do those that are someday. Really boring answers, guys. Wait, I mean,
1: would you, did you want like Marvin the Martian or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, on a thigh? Yeah. What are we looking for? Stay in I'm, your lane, bro.
2: I'm, uh, I'm looking for the, the one that I want. And unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to find it. But there's a little, there's a little cartoonish character, if you'll indulge me, at uh, this restaurant in, uh, in the uh, central Iowa area called Tasty Tacos. And, um, it's just this little Spanish boy with a sombrero, and uh, so you're racist with the with the, uh, with the caption Nada. "Nada es impossible. and I'd get a tramp stamp of that. That's what I would do. Question number three: If time froze for everyone except for you for a day, <laughs> holy randomness, just did Batman! Freeze.
4: It just did freeze. Yes, I can't
1: escape that moment. Yeah, I just can. This can this show be over now?
2: I'm expected well, to fill another ten minutes after that. I'd show I'd show you guys first thing.
1: No. Yeah. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. No. Not the and audience. That, you wouldn't. Followed by a throat punch. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think you guys would I think you guys would like it. And I'm gonna fight your unemployment
2: claim, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, question number three.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna win. I'm gonna show him you showed me a tramp stamp of and a little Spanish cruel, kid in a sombrero. Yeah, I'm gonna say cruel, we had to fire him for his racist xenophobia. You're damn punishing. right I
4: ordered the code right That's right.
1: And the, and, the, oh, and, the, and, the, and the state government's yeah. going to side with me and say it had to be done.
2: Yeah, I just found it. I got to pull this up, guys. You've, you've got to see this, though. I'm sure you've s- seen it before.
4: All but, of creation groans until yeah. I see this, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, this would be perfect. Wouldn't <laughs> nice. it, would this not be the best thing you've ever seen? I, are we going to s- see it? I've seen
4: it. I've been in the restaurant countless times. Yes, I'm familiar. That's including the since 1961. Okay. Nada mm-hmm. is impossible. You, c- you can be single forever. That's fine.
2: <laughs> I told my girlfriend, and she loves this idea, by the way. She loves it. Uh, except for the tramp stand part. Okay, finally, question number three. Time freezes for a day. For everyone, except for you, what do you do?
1: So everybody around me is frozen? Yep. Except for me. Except for you. Um, I well. go... I go to ESPN's campus in Bristol, Connecticut, and I find their vault, Ooh. where they have all of their old broadcasts and all that kind of stuff. All right, and um, I, their talent has often talked about the prodigious and legendary employee cafe that cafe they have there, and I just raid the cafe, man. You know, there's that the original uh, Omega Man. Uh, that had uh, Charlton Heston, you know, where the, where people turn into the, va- the earth, the, the people turn into vampires. He's the last man. Isn't that what it was called? The Omega man, the original with Charlton Heston. All right. And, and there's this scene in the movie that he just sits back, hits the store. He's the, he's the last man on earth. They thinks, And everybody else is like these vampires that come out at night. And he just goes to the movie theater and watches the Woodstock movie again. While he's just like, you know, getting his grindage on just chowing down. I remember as a kid thinking, that wouldn't be that bad, right? So I would head over to the historic vault at like ESPN's campus, raid the uh, uh, the uh, the cafeteria. And it's just one day, right? People are coming back tomorrow. So I'd leave the money. I'm not going to steal. I'd leave like a money or my you know card number, tell them what I had, raid the cafe. And I would just hang out all day in their vault, just watching and see what old stuff they had there. That's what I would do. I love the fact that the speed with which you just came up with that
4: yeah. and the detail that it involved, that on some level you had pondered this before. <laughs> I love I love that so much. That's very you. That is good. Uh, I don't know. What do you got, Aaron? Did you, would you go get that? Well, you couldn't get the tramp stamp because no one would give it to you. I mean, That's there's nobody
2: true. else. That's true. I probably would go to Tasty Tacos and steal that painting. That would be nice. Maybe I'll just get a painting.
1: Well, instead of aim drinks. high, I always say. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I...
2: um. I would, um, I would probably do the same thing that I do. Oh, oh no, no! Here's what I do. You make an in table. I, yeah. I'd go to, uh, I'd go to either Worlds of Fun or Adventureland, They're the amusement parks around here, and just ride all the rides. Who's operating no the rides? Ni- I, I can figure
1: it out. So you're gonna turn it on and quick run into the roller coaster? Yeah, yeah. That's why I didn't choose so, that. Because I thought, could you imagine having the Disney World to yourself? And I'm like, who's operating everything? I need to well, turn Well, Everything's
2: off? digitized. And well, no, it's not. But that's I would do that. I'd I'd figure it out somehow. <clears throat> that's what I'd do. Todd?
4: Uh I How about I I go whatever if there's the master switch. Uh, I, I think
1: it. I know what your answer would be. Yeah. Can I can I predict what your answer would yeah, be? Yeah,
4: it's gonna be better than mine.
1: We would wake up the next morning to yep. find I know where you're going. A Pope has disappeared. Oh, I thought no. you were going to say the without last, a trace. The
2: last Jedi has disappeared. I've only got
4: a day. Couldn't get there. Don't
1: mm-hmm. think you get to Rome in a day? No. Okay. And
4: get back. I've only got a day. Um
1: Ryan I- Johnson has disappeared. Yeah. You can get to you can get to SoCal in a day. Ryan Johnson, filmmaker, mysteriously disappeared overnight while the world was still still. Literally retcon the last Jedi.
4: <laughs> oh. That if that was one. possible. That a good one. I'd like to pull the master switch on like instant replay. Just make it done.
1: Mm. You're really bothered by it, aren't you?
4: You know I am. I know you are. And I didn't have a good answer for this. I think... I was intimidated by your depth and breadth of <laughs> yours.
1: You can get to Rome in a day.
4: I can with no, with well, everybody else. Yeah, fly.
1: Aaron will fly your plane. Well, no, Aaron's Aaron's frozen. Aaron's frozen too. Yeah. Huh, you're right. I have to learn how to fly a plane Todd. All right. So that wasn't a great idea. It sounded better in my head. It's not a great idea. My bad. So we've got overtime coming up here. We're going to stick around and tape this for our subscribers here. at Blaze TV. If you're not yet a blaze TV subscriber and you don't want to miss the overtime today or any of the other exclusive content we produce, Uh, the outstanding team here at blaze tv blaze tv.com slash dace that's d-e-a-c-e blaze tv.com slash dace you'll get a discounted subscription of blaze tv when you go there Um, but it appears that president trump may finally have a primary challenger former congressman joe walsh uh, is said to be quote seriously considering that's a quote uh challenging president trump In the primary. Now, back in 2016, Joe Walsh was a huge Trump supporter during the 2016 primary. So.
2: I think maybe a question that we'll ask is who would get more votes, Joe Walsh or Joe Walsh? Joe Walsh, the former congressman, or Joe Walsh, the Eagles singer? That would be an interesting thing.
1: And guitarist, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Rocky Mountain Way, one of the more underrated rock songs of all time, by the way. But um, we're going to have a, a conversation in the overtime. If you could give one piece of advice for Joe Walsh on primarying Donald Trump, what would it be? Even if your advice is, don't waste our time. I mean, that could be your advice, all right? But that's the conversation we're going to have in the overtime today for our Blaze TV subscribers. BlazeTV.com slash DACE. For the rest of you, we will see you, Minyatta, beginning with the DACE Group can Review Roundtable. Until then, John 317.
0: This is Steve Days
1: on the Blaze Radio Network.